1: Let me pop Rohan onto the program here. It's been a minute since I seen my guy. What up, buddy? Hey, you're on mute, man. Or you're not on mute. We just can't hear you.
2: We're good. How y'all doing?
1: There you go, man. Got that? You got that PS5
2: headset on? Is that what that is? Yeah, it's just one of them headsets that uh, you know, I work with. Something like that.
1: There you go. There you go. That, now I know you're a gamer, man. You play an Xbox or a PS5?
2: I don't game too much, actually. My brother is more of a gamer. He, uh, he, It's funny, though. He's on Xbox. I'm PlayStation.
1: Oh, there you go. Yeah, my, my boys are big into the games. I don't get to play much either, um, mostly because they're on it and I'm super busy. Every now and then I'll jump on, play a little Madden or some GTA. I think GTA is probably the best video game of all time. If I had to rank one, I think that's the best video game of all time. That's but, fair. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. But i only get probably play like an hour a month maybe at that if that (laughs) that's
2: all you get that's all the screen time they allowing you
1: yeah man we got two playstations two tvs where they play and uh yeah i don't get i don't get much time on it so uh, but it is fun gta is definitely the best game of all time though in my opinion i don't know you guys let me know what you think in the comments if you're younger than me you probably have some weird video game like my kids like they like fortnite which i think is horrible i don't understand it um or they play like call of duty which is uh a good game but i suck at it online like i like the missions but i think i'm too slow like when it comes to like Uh, i i just get smoked when i try to play call of duty online so yeah Uh, what else do they play they play this little weird soccer game it's like arena soccer but you're a car what the hell is
2: that rocket league
1: i think that's what it is Yeah, rocket league
2: i ain't never played rocket league i'll say that i've played the other ones but not rocket league
1: yeah yeah but yeah i miss my video game days kids kind of took over and i guess i'm too old and too busy to, to play much But yeah man good to see you dude it's been a minute when's the last time we talked
2: on a stream it's got to be probably definitely when i was still in school um so probably two months ago probably month and a half two months probably
1: wow now now you're home for the summer huh
2: yeah yeah home and uh
1: working from home now hey working from home you got a job job uh intern, intern intern funny enough
2: that's where i was just uh hopped out of a meeting
1: Look at this guy! He's growing up right before our eyes, man. I'm so proud of you.
2: <laughs> oh, busy work now, but yeah, uh, you know we all enjoy it, so we're doing our thing.
1: And you're going into your sophomore year, right? You're still, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow, wow. All right, man. Well, cool. Look, uh, Jesse says, "Oh man, Rohan's here." Uh, yeah. There's
2: a reason I'm talking, and you're in the <laughs> listeners today, baby.
1: <laughs> uh, hey, I want to get your take on what movie asked us, and then I'm gonna jump back into some other questions, but. Uh, Mui says, Ryan, is it me or is Kittle seemingly boosting Lance in a way he hasn't before, even a little more than Brock Purdy? Saw him on Good Morning Football and he continued. I didn't see that. I don't know if you saw that. But what do you think on – is Kittle boosting Lance more than typically?
2: Yeah, I, I haven't either seen uh, the, the Good Morning Football, but I think the the first take is good enough. And I think this is true. I mean, I, I think Kittle is being honest here in that, like, you know, you have the quarterback who – Is all I mean the guys who are always boosting up the quarterback, you know, morale for the team, keeping their confidence up. But Kittle, it's not that Kittle hasn't boosted up Trey Lance before, but I think he's seeing a change and he's letting them know um, that he's seeing a change. And right now, I think what the skill position players want, especially at this crucial point in their career uh, with the 49ers, is they want the best option out there. And so when they see the best option out there, they're going to let you know they see the best option out there. Why? Well, Brandon Ayuk is in a contract year. Essentially, he's getting an extension. The best, the, the better he plays, the more money he gets. Demo Samuel's in a crucial year. If he doesn't play well, the 49ers could move him with the post-June first designation next year in a trade, understanding that they've got their cap situation and that they've got extensions for Bosa and Brandon Ayuk on the way. If George Kittle doesn't play well, he's the easiest to move off of next year with the post June 1st designation. You can get about 50% of the money that he's owned. He's owed, I think it's around 19 million dollars next year. You can get about $10 million, nine, 10 million of that back uh, with a post June 1st designation, and I think even more via trade if you uh, if you get George Kittle uh, off the book. So all of these guys, they're a brotherhood, but there also is an added incentive for each of them to play well this specific year. And I think you want the best quarterback out there for that to do uh, for that to happen.
1: I told you uh, before, I think I remember a conversation with you. I have a horrible memory, but sometimes I just get little sparks of memory. Uh, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I told you, I think Debo is going to be traded after this year.
2: And, and you, yeah, you, I told you, you no, right. I told you what did I, I forget exactly what it's on the show. I've said I'm I, I've definitely speculated the possibility my prediction though was that the 49ers were going to be able to fit Samuel on the books for one more year and move him before his last season on the team
1: all right we'll see man yeah it's definitely interesting let me jump in this chat let's get some more chat comments and then uh today's Twitter Tuesday man I have a big question up top that we're going to go over together as well And then I also got Twitter Tuesday we're going to answer some questions that people hit me up with on Twitter But shout out to Jaren. I got to post this comment because he called me the GOAT, right? So I got to definitely post that one. Thank you very much, Jaren. Much appreciated. Uh, CG Ruthless says, yo, Ryan, what's up? Nice to see you. Uh, Let me see what else am I missing. Oh, Jesse ranks Madden, Mario Kart, GoldenEye, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball, GTA are all GOAT games. Yeah, I mean, I I like it. Again, I don't play much. When I do play, it's either Madden or GTA. Mario Kart used to be good back in the day. GoldenEye, Ken Griffey Jr. Baseball. I don't I, never, I don't mess with Doc. I never played. But um, you know, maybe you guys know more than I do. Brian Colt came through with the pineapples. Is that what that is? I don't know what that is. Are those pineapples or bombs? Are those bombs? <laughs> I don't know what those are. Uh, but thank you for whatever it is, Brian. Much appreciated, dude. Uh Johnny's in here. Uh, so good to see you, man. So look, uh, should we start with the main question um, is kind of a kind of an interesting question. So, look, I I came to this calculation. The, the title of the show is, are the 49ers the 14th best team in the NFL of the 21st century? I know that's a random question. Let me yeah. show you why I came to this conclusion. Let's and, do it. And uh, you guys can tell me if I'm just tripping. Now, obviously, if we were doing the last decade, I would say uh, that they're more – here we go. There it is. If we're doing the last decade, I would rank them higher than that. But this is something that came out, right? Most postseason wins since 2000. The okay. 49ers are eighth on this list for the most postseason wins. But the Giants, Saints, Rams, uh, Buccaneers. Oh, because they all won a Super Bowl. Okay. They all won a Super Bowl. So, to me, they got to bump up ahead of those guys. So, that puts – to me, if you're looking at the 21st century, the 49ers are the 14th best team in the NFL. Do you agree? And how does that make you feel in the comments? <laughs> how do you guys feel about that?
2: What's your take? This is interesting that you, you put it this way, right? I, I I Like when you said 14th best, I'm like, where is he getting this? And yeah. then I see this. First of all, I didn't even realize there were eight teams higher than the 49ers in terms of playoff wins since 2000 because obviously there's been a a couple of really rough stretches but i also didn't think like i wouldn't have anticipated the colts be higher than the 49ers in this situation but i don't think that this is a bad take if we're being honest i don't think this is a bad take because the super bowl is obviously um the number one thing on your mind the one thing i'll say though since this is since 2000 with a greater body of work I do think when you're talking about overall success, the Super Bowl doesn't matter as much. I think that it's like when you're talking about a bigger quantity of work, I think you take in everything. And so um, the Super Bowl, you know, it's 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 weighted a little less, in my opinion, when you're, uh, when you're looking at a huge, extensive body of work. Because I think that that one outlier Super Bowl isn't necessarily as valuable in, if you're looking at a 20-year period than 20 straight playoff berths or something like that. And so that's the way I look at it. But the way that you've pointed it out, almost every team that you in, in that 14 are fairly close. Obviously, you have an outlier in the Denver Broncos, but every team apart from that has 10 playoff birds or more and the Super Bowl. So maybe maybe you put the 49ers 13. Huh. Um, I, I, I think that, though, it's an interesting take and an interesting way to look at things. Yeah,
1: it was surprising for me. I really didn't expect to to... You know, it, it seems like they should be higher. Now, if you looked at the last 10 years, probably since Harbaugh came in, you know, the, the, these playoff numbers are definitely going to be different. But Niners still don't have a Super Bowl, unfortunately. And I know for you, you say you don't you weigh is probably as high as me, but I to me, it's the highest. Like, that's the main thing. If you don't win a Super Bowl, that, I mean, that's it. I'm a Super Bowl or bust type of guy. So, yeah, man, I thought this was a little bit sobering uh, to observe. Didn't really expect to see it. Uh, but yeah, man, uh kind of interesting, kind of sad at the same time. Um, want to get your take on this one too. Who are the the Denver Nuggets last night that win a championship, never won one in their entire franchise history? Um, it's been 47 years, I believe. First time they've won a championship. Um, who are the Denver Nuggets of the NFL? So from from my take, who could be this year? Who could be the Denver Nuggets this year? uh um, I Googled it. It doesn't seem right, but hey, maybe I'm wrong. They have teams that haven't lifted, uh, who, who haven't won the Super Bowl. The Minnesota Vikings, the Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals, Atlanta Falcons. And is, I'm going to read off a lot of teams here. Carolina Panthers, Arizona Cardinals, Tennessee Titans, Los Angeles Chargers, Cleveland Browns, Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, and Houston Texans. Now that's a lot to remember maybe i can throw it on the screen here actually so you guys don't have to just remember what i'm talking about here let's see utab i'm trying to figure out how to use technology i'm, I'm an old man here we go let's try this
2: there should be 12 teams i think he there we okay, go okay there we go and I th- this is another really good question we, we come with some nice topics today uh, but uh Denver Nuggets, the NFL, the way that I look at this, Denver Nuggets, they're a team that has seen success, right, in, in, in their franchise, but more so I'm looking in the in the last 10 years. They've seen success, but weren't able to ever get over the hump. Then they developed some players, still saw success, weren't able to get over the hump, and then finally got over the hump. That's the way that I look at it. And out of these teams, I'm, I'm looking at, one, I'm looking at the Cincinnati Bengals because I thought they saw success during the Andy Dalton area. They were able to make the playoffs a couple of times. They also had a long-tenured head coach in Marvin Lewis, and they had success, just weren't able to get over the hump. Now with Joe Burrow, they 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 drafted, you know, drafted and developed those uh that young core of Burrow Chase, T. Higginson, uh, et cetera. Weren't able to get over the hump the first time they made it. And now I think that they've got a good shot to potentially uh, win a Super Bowl, especially if they can upset Patrick, or upset Patrick Mahomes. I think that that's the team that sticks uh, out of my mind right now. Yeah. I think a similar case, though, is Philip Char- uh, Rivers and the Los Angeles Chargers. You can, you can make a similar case there where they had success a lot in the past. New quarterback and some younger core. You could see it with them, too.
1: Yeah, if I'm picking one of these teams to do it this particular year, it would only be the Bills and the Bengals to me have a a real, real shot. Uh, Vikings possibly, I doubt it. Um, Who else is in there? Maybe the Jaguars. It would be crazy if the Lions do. But, yeah, no, I just thought it was interesting because, you know, watching last night, seeing the Denver Nuggets win the finals for the first time in 47 years of history of their team, uh, I thought it'd be interesting to think, you know, who, who possibly could do that in the NFL. Um, we got a, a few Twitter questions because today is Twitter's t- Twitter Tuesday. My guy Mansa, who um, bet me that the Heat were going to win because he loves the Heat—that's uh, his team—and was wrong, unfortunately. Mansa, I'm sorry. Told you the Nuggets are going to beat your team. Uh, I wanted the Heat to win, but I just knew the Nuggets were going to. Uh, but anyways. Don't want to pick on my boy, Monsa, but he said, would you move on from Kyle Shanahan this year? If not, what would it take to change your mind? What's your take, Rohan? Would you move on from Kyle Shanahan this year? If not, what would it take to change your mind?
2: Now, those of them uh, in the chat that have seen us two talk together know my take on Kyle Shanahan. I've got a stronger feeling about him than probably some of the other guests that you've had and you yourself. However, I've also opened up about the possibility of – moving on from Kyle Shanahan for two specific reasons. One, the failure to develop, to develop the quarterback position, the most important position in football, and also the position um, where, you know, he's tied into understanding he's an offensive guru, but more so too, obviously, the failure to get over the hump, and I correlate the two. And I would not move on from Kyle Shanahan this year. I don't think it's smart to fire him. I think, um, Politics-wise, but also football-wise, it would be smarter to let his contract expire at the end. I believe it's two, two, two more seasons after after this one. I think it's smarter to let his contract expire, and if he can't get it done by then, you move on. That's the way that I look at it because a lot of this young core is tied to Kyle Shanahan, and so I would I would get give him the the next three years two, three years or so. Um specifically essentially tying him into the rookie quarterback contracts. See can you get it done with the quarterbacks that he's chosen? If not, then you move on.
1: Yeah, so uh last second sports Jesse says Monsa owes Ryan Lunch at picking a pickle it seems. Yeah, you might Monsa I forget what we wagered, man. I'm gonna have to look that up. I think it might have just been the gentleman's bet. But honestly, so far, Based on my track record, you probably don't want to bet me anything because I'm winning everything right now. So I'm hoping to keep this streak alive. I got one with 187. I said that um, Trey Lance is going to start week one. And he said Brock Purdy is. Uh, Larry, if, if Trey Lance isn't traded before week one, Larry would technically owe me 2 pick pick-and-a-pickle lunches. Uh, what else? Oh, yeah. Uh, Flav, if Sam Darnold plays... If Sam if Trey Lance plays more games than Sam Darnold this year, Flav has to buy me an autographed Ronnie Lott jersey, I'm on a roll. I think I, I don't I wouldn't bet me
2: if I say goodbye
1: how's you guys just my my friendly advice but but hey keep it coming i enjoy it uh and i'm going to answer this question from monza as well but real quick cash to god says ryan and rohan my guys what up what up cash to god thank you for the super chat man much much appreciated yeah so monza says would i move on from kyle shanahan um and if not what would it take to change my mind so for me right now where i stand with kyle shanahan is if he either doesn't win a Super Bowl or doesn't figure out the quarterback position by the end of his contract. I would just not give him an extension. That, that's how I feel about Kyle Shannon right now. Like, either figure out the quarterback position, find your franchise guy after nine years, or win a Super Bowl or both, or it's probably just time to move on. And that's not saying he's a bad coach. There's things I really like about him. And of course, he hired the next day. It's just, you know, sometimes the relationship, you know, just doesn't work out for whatever reason. And he might go on somewhere else and win a Super Bowl somewhere else. But after nine years, if you can't figure out the quarterback position and you you you've traded all this, especially if Trey Lance ends up not working out, if you spent three firsts and a third on Trey Lance and he doesn't work out, I mean, most coaches would be fired just because of that. So <clears throat> my, my thing is let it play out. The only way I would fire Kyle Shanahan this year is if he didn't make a playoffs with this roster. And he like, created some disaster at the quarterback position with this roster. If you don't make the playoffs oh, yeah. that's and fair. there's some kind of drama with the quarterback position, then I probably would be like, Again, all right.
2: Barring injury, of course, because you, you might have a 2020-esque season where everybody gets injured. But um, yeah, if you don't make the, the the playoffs with this roster, I mean, wow. The 49ers are the second highest favorites to win the Super Bowl. That's, that's something different.
1: Yeah, that would be a catastrophic outcome to the season. So that would probably be what it takes uh, for me to do that. But, like you know, I, I don't dislike Kyle Shanahan. I, I like him. I just – there's things I don't like about him uh, so far. There's things I really do like about him, and I think he's top two or three in the NFL. Um, so, you know, not looking to replace him yet. I think he still has time. All right, next question came from two different guys. Same question. What's the likelihood that Mason overtakes Mitchell for the number two running back spot? What do you think, Rohan?
2: I like this one. I wrote about this and talked about it a little last week because it was a question on my mind as well. I'm going to say over 50%. And that might be high because Elijah Mitchell has produced when he's on the field, and he's the guy more trusted. But i i'm writing this mason wave right now i've been writing it since he got uh since he got signed as an undrafted free agent and i i think there's a an increased belief in that uh in, in mason as a running back and a receiver this year when the way i look at this offense is way different than the way i looked at this offense going into last year i think the 49ers what they want out of the running back position is continuity when christian McCaffrey's not on the field why? So they can keep that extent, expanded playbook when McCaffrey's not on the field, still available, have more uh, to utilize out of Kyle Shanahan's arsenal and keep their offense flowing in a very similar way. When they had Mason on the field last year, it didn't seem they were comfortable with his receiving skills, but more importantly, his pass protection skills. When he was on the field, it was a run play every time. And it, I mean, it worked out. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. Mason still averaged five and a half carry, yards per carry and the, uh, the defense knew exactly what it was, especially late in the games when he was used as a closer. But it seems like <clears throat> his receiving skills are improving. I thought they were there last year in, uh, in in glimpses when we saw it in camp and when we saw little videos and things. But his receiving skills appear to be improving as the 49ers are utilizing the running backs more in that role. And if his pass protection can improve, I think he, he'll by default end up you know getting more and more reps but i also think there's a significant chance elijah mitchell gets injured this year which means if mason doesn't overtake it himself the injury itself will allow mason to get that opportunity so i definitely think there's at least a 50 percent chance that mason ends up being the running back number two
1: yeah i think as long if if mitchell comes into training camp healthy like 100 percent, and he gets a full training camp full preseason i think he's your qb2 um, but he tends to have a lot of issues with injury. He was injured during OTAs, and if that continues to be the situation with, with Mitchell, I can definitely see Mason taking over. You said five and a half yards per carry. I thought it was like six yards per carry, but you know, maybe I'm it wrong. It might have but-
2: been 6.2. Uh, yeah. It was either 5.6 or 6.2. Um, I forget the exact number. I believe he was in yeah, the there. there.
1: Yeah, he, I mean, hell of a running back, man. I'm excited about him. He seems to be really durable. Yeah, you're so right. To it me, it's really six. about health. Uh, yeah so it's, it's to me it's really about health Kyle Shanahan kind of goes with his guys uh that he trusts so if Mitchell's healthy I imagine he'll still be at that QB2 spot but if he can't be healthy Mason could come in and, and honestly take the reins this year and, and we could see this being maybe Mitchell's uh, last season with the 49ers so uh good question from both of you I talked a little about it a little bit on grand show this is a good question it's a tough one to put on the spot here brother um but I appreciate it man thanks for the super chat he says, What are the five most important QB traits in order? Also, Rohan, I'm your biggest fan, Jesse. So, this is tough. This is tough to put on the spot and do off the top of the dome, but.
2: This is an emotional. Jesse's never given me a compliment. Yeah, so this let, let me have you do it moment. first, and then I can, oh,
1: okay. I can okay. piggyback off of your view. Yeah.
2: Oh, boy. Important traits, because there's so much that goes into it. Um, okay, just think it off the top of my head as for it, it without order first. I've got to definitely go with footwork. Um, I've got to go with footwork. I'll go with accuracy. I'll go with improvisation skills, being able to work out, uh, off schedule. Um, uh, uh, processing, and I'll go with, um, I'll go with pocket presence i think that those five are important so footwork accuracy improvisation pocket presence and what was the last one i said i forget now oh boy uh pocket okay. presence pocket presence footwork improvisation accuracy and uh oh processing okay processing. so if i were to rank those five in order i would go probably um I'd probably honestly go footwork one, accuracy two. I think that those are just important. Like, even if you have the other abilities, I think that if your footwork's off, if your accuracy's off, it'll, it'll hinder you as a quarterback. And then of the other three skills, I'll go with quarterback skills first. So footwork accuracy, um, I think I'll go with improv... Uh, no, not improvisation. I'll go with processing three, improv four, or pocket presence for improv five. I'll go. I'll go that way.
1: All right. So I'm gonna go with. Now that I I, I got to hear you talk first uh, makes my job easier, but actually I think I'm gonna go with th- just the it factor as my one. It that's factor one, is the one thing, one. right? Like some guys just have it uh, regardless of anything else. So I'm gonna go with it factor one, intelligence two, uh, accuracy three. Arm talent four and leadership five. I think, Those I, are I, think five I have a good better, ones. Yeah. I think I have a better quarterback than you based off that role, huh?
2: <laughs> that's <laughs> just, fair. Uh, I think, just, think uh, that that's true.
1: Yeah. Uh Jesse says jawline is his number one QB Been trainer. telling
2: y'all, man. This guy been on that Jimmy Wave since he he been on that Jimmy Wave for a long
1: time. And Close R said hair has got to be two and smile is three. <laughs> yeah you guys are you guys are you guys are killing it in the chat today I appreciate it um all right so next question that we got from uh Twitter the Twitter sphere: how different will the offense look knowing CMC will have the whole playbook also how different will the defense look schematically with Coach Wilkes brought to you by at Kirsch 20
2: first part offense with CMC This one's actually an interesting one because initially I thought the offense would look a little different understanding it it was Lance and Darnold um, rather than Purdy uh, with the first team reps, but it hasn't in that I I thought that, you know, I'm not saying that I thought that they'd run Lance a lot, but I thought there would be a little more 11 on 11 football. And so that means more shotgun play, which means, you know, you have um, a a little bit of a different look with McCaffrey and the way that he's getting the ball out of the backfield um, in order to, you know, utilize Lance as a a decoy, essentially. But it seems like they haven't been doing, uh, installing much of that Lance run package this this offseason. It seems more so understanding that you've got two guys competing with first team reps. They're keeping a centralized offense based on what they had last year and looking to see who can perform the best in that. I'm thinking that that Lance package will still be installed, especially if he ends up starting Week One. But that would probably be within the three weeks that um, is not available to media after the third preseason game or in the two weeks or so, how many ever weeks that is. Um, but as for how different it'll look, I don't honestly think it'll look too, too different. I think the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan had a little—he had this vision in mind, and just adding McCaffrey made it a seamless uh, seamless transition to that vision itself. There are obviously going to be a little more wrinkles and things like that, and I wonder exactly um, how much he utilizes running back two, which is Mason or Mitchell, to allow some other concepts in the run game to be involved because really when we talk about the difference, I think it's more so in the run game than the pass game. I think the pass game has been, that structure has been set. You just now have a running back that's able to catch passes. And so that check down options utilized a lot more. And the run game though, is really where that um, ingenuity comes through. And so you might see a little bit of a different wrinkle there. Before we get to the second question, I wanna hear how, what you gotta say for that. Yeah,
1: thank you. Yeah, I was, uh, that's what I was gonna. Ask for. You know, what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan before is he literally starts off the season using what worked last season. So I think in the beginning of the season, that's what we're going to see. And that may be a bad plan because the 49ers always seem to start slow. And it seems like defenses are probably preparing for what you did good last season. So I imagine, at least in the beginning of the season, that it's going to look a lot like we saw last season. If Lance is your quarterback, I'm really hoping that we're running that same. Purdy Jimmy G offense for Lance I I hope it's not uh, just read option stuff although I mean it would be highly effective with Lance and CMC in the read option but I really just don't want to see Lance running coming off an ankle injury so uh, I'm hoping that we see Lance as more of a quarterback and less of a runner moving forward I think he would be tremendous as a scrambler because when he does scramble he keeps his eyes up downfield he's still looking to pass but he's highly effective in the scramble if you go back and watch all this film which I've done I've watched both quarterbacks, all their snaps like four or five times during this offseason. But if you go back and watch Trey Lance running in the scramble is so much more effective than him running design run plays. He's a hell of a scrambler. Uh, And so that's what I'm hoping is that, that Kyle Shanahan looks at what happened to him and him getting injured and goes away from the read option a little bit. Now, maybe they do some some read option stuff. And they just use Trey Lance as the threat, you know. Maybe it's that's like, what.
2: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think yeah. that that I I still think that that would add a little more value because yeah. it adds that shotgun package where you're running the ball out of. So that would be interesting for sure. That package.
1: Yeah, and I believe that package they ran like eight yards per carry when they were doing that. And so yeah. what you do is you just tell Trey Lance, just hand it off. Like we'll threat that you're, you know, it'll pause the defense a little bit. You know, keep them outside. But really just hand off to cmc or mason and let him go up the middle uh and it, just use it as a run play but just at with that threat and then you know when the game's on the line or when situations happen then you give glance the green light if he wants to hold on to it and, and pop outside but don't but, but like they really need to tell him like dude we don't really don't want you handing off right now like all right we, we really don't want you keeping we want you handing off i think that would be effective and smart uh personally so I expect more of the same, uh, but it'll be interesting if if Trey Lance is the quarterback. Uh, that's going to shake it up a little bit. Uh, what's your What's your take on the on the second part of this question?
2: How different will the defense look schematically with Coach Wilkes? This is a question I've actually been kind of tossing and turning um, with myself the last few weeks because I, I don't think a lot of people are talking about coach wilkes and steve wilkes and the difference that he'll bring to this defense first of all i'll say something that's not schematic that i think that will make a difference at least early on and that is him being up in the booth i know uh it was talked about earlier not as much since but he's up in the booth he's not on the sideline anymore and that's more of the methodical approach right you're able to see things a little better obviously from up in the booth from down on the sideline and it's so it's easier to see things it's easier probably to game plan in that regard but you know you don't have that energy guy on the on the sidelines anymore you, you still got close to rec for sure but you don't necessarily have that energy guy and it'll be probably a little bit of an adjustment it's more responsibility now on the players to create that energy for themselves but also to be accountable and responsible for you know um going in when they need to, and all all the different things that come with being a defensive coordinator on the sideline. But schematically, I don't think there's going to be a significant change, but I don't think it's going to be the same defense. Why do I say that? Steve Wilkes has a tendency to blitz. He likes to blitz a good amount. When you look at his Arizona days, those blitz numbers were significantly high, but whatever destination he's been at, those blitz numbers have been there. It's also sometimes been a little more effective with the 3-4, the 3-3-5 kind of looks that he's implemented in the past, be it at Missouri or in Cleveland. But if we talk about schematically in that in that blitzing look, I'm going to be honest. I don't know how much I like it compared to the old defense. I think this this 49ers defense is better off without the significant blitzing. And they worked well last year blitzing because it was really well-timed blitzes from Domingo Ryan. that was really good coaching. And I'm thinking Wilkes will still have that kind of portion in his arsenal. But I wonder if the amount of blitzing that they do this year compared to past years changes the way that their defense operates and looks, um, because obviously it puts more of an onus on the secondary. And the 49ers have somewhat of a symbiotic relationship. It's the ability for that defensive line to get there and, you know, the front guys to get there to the quarterback, but also, um, you know, that helps out the secondary, but also the secondary with uh, with added personnel is able to help out the defensive line you might see nickel blitzes you might see safety blitzes obviously you'll still see the same linebacker blitzes I think it helps you get more pressure but it also might be it's more of a boom or bust uh, look than the normal 49ers defense and I'm not sure is how much I like that compared to the past understanding how impactful the 49ers have been um with their their pressure
0: numbers
1: yeah you know it's interesting is that uh that tends to be what you hear when it comes to Steve Wilkes is more blitzing right and um that's exciting for me as a fan but it was a little contradictory because I don't know if you saw his recent uh press conference he said his main goal is to just not goal. I don't know if he said those words but something that they're focusing on is just not giving up the big play which seemed more like 49ers defense as usual so I'm confused because everyone's saying that this guy blitzes a lot more but Wilkes himself is saying that one of the priorities is just not giving up the big play so I'm wondering what this defense is going to look like. And it's one of the most interesting storylines this offseason outside of quarterback is what is the defense going to look like this year? Is it going to be the same? Is it going to be better? Is it going to be more uh, dynamic? Is it going to give up bigger plays? Is It's kind of an unknown. I, I feel like the defense is going to be better, but I do have my concerns early in the season. I think Steve Wilkes is obviously a really smart guy, knows what the hell he's doing. So I, I believe he'll figure it out at some point. But I could see some hiccups in the beginning, you know, with him calling plays up top, with him not being on the sidelines from the D'Amico to him transition. There's a couple new players. You got Oliver at the nickel, uh, Hargraves on the line. So there's a couple changes there. And, you know, coaches in the past have mentioned that part of the reason why the 49ers start slow is because of the coaching uh ch- transitioning every year to new coaching staff. So <clears throat> It's the biggest unknown to me. I'm not really sure what's going to happen. I feel like with this talent and with Wilkes' history, he's going to figure it out. And I I expect the 49ers to be a really good defense at some point. Um, Will will they start off banging? I don't know. I'm not really sure. Typically, the defense does well and the offense struggles. It could be the opposite way this year, um, to be honest. So I'm not really sure what to expect, but it's one of the main things I'm going to be focused on. Thank you for the question. My guy. Uh, Notatos one says, do you feel like the ID, ideal quarterback list that Bill Walsh created still holds true today? Are there QB traits that are more important now than they were 30-plus years ago? So I don't know if you saw this, Rohan. I'm not going to read the whole it's a long thing. Have you
2: seen it yet? I have not, no.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. You guys should um, – should check it out when you get a second I'll, I'll throw it up here just real quick, but I'm not going to read the whole thing. Grant went through it on he made a grant made a video on it, which is really good It's just long ass thing um so I'm not going to go through it right now, but I will say um I read it thoroughly, and probably the only thing I disagree with not that I'm going to disagree with Bill Walsh here um but he asked me if anything's changed over you know since he wrote that I believe he wrote that in nineteen ninety seven so that's when I graduated high school, which was a little bit a little bit ago. Uh the only thing that's really changed I think is the the rules have changed um that favor the passing uh in the NFL, that favor the quarterbacks. And I feel like this is a passing league more than ever, more so than when Bill Walsh was there. I don't know if he saw this coming or not. But I think arm talent is more he, he mentioned that you don't, you know, he didn't say arm talent is not important, but he did say that there's a lot of Hall of Fame quarterbacks that didn't have the best arm talent. But the people on that list was a long time ago uh most it's, most quarterbacks winning super bowls since he wrote this have a very good arm um so i think that would be the only thing that i would say may have changed since he wrote that not that he was wrong or that i disagree with him but because of the rule changes and all the changes that have happened in the nfl with the passing game i think arm talent is more important now than on it than it's ever been with the passing game so that's my take on it man since you haven't read it i, I actually
2: i just glanced through it real quick i uh-huh. found the i found the screenshot Graham posted i read through it real quick and it's interesting right i think that when you talk about walsh um and and this list i it, it's pretty clear he's also referring a little bit to montana um mm-hmm. at the time and uh, montana didn't have the strongest arm he'll say that but he obviously had or he didn't have the strongest arm talent necessarily but he obviously had accuracy where he can pinpoint um his passes and put it on the receiver which was the main reason why he had success and i think he was walsh is a little bit of ahead of his time here when he's saying this and including the mobility part right including the improvisation part because that wasn't necessarily the norm in the pocket passer kind of era where you know you had these six four two twenty 220 guys that were specifically meant to stay in the pocket and uh you know pass from the pocket and things like that And I think that, yeah, there are a couple of things that are outdated and a couple of things that, um, you know, I think are are spot on in terms of is is, is, arm talent isn't always, you know, uh, necessarily the the biggest thing. I I think that that's still fair. You still have quarterbacks who struggle with accuracy despite being able to throw 80 80 yards. I think an example I can clearly point to um, in recent history, look at Josh Allen's first two years in the NFL. Guy had the best arm possible and Guy had amazing improvisation skills. It's just the, you know, the accuracy obviously dwindled and you, you, he needed to work on that for the first few years before really taking off as a passer. I think that there are a couple of quarterbacks, even Jalen Hurts before this past year, he had a strong arm as well. It's just, you know, he had a, he had accuracy issues as well, but I I think you are right in today's norm. the the quarterback position is just evolving. There's a lot of quarterbacks that are coming in with strong arms, but also the ability to utilize those strong arms. And so I think that that part i do agree with you i think that that part it's now arm talent and accuracy are kind of getting mixed in together i think that that's important but also the other parts you know mobility is obviously um being uh praised nowadays you see a lot of quarterbacks that get drafted highly um it's because not only because of their arm talent but because the arm talent has potential but there's also mobility to where you can have the full grasps of everything but i think this uh, the list overall is fairly accurate right talking about it's important to be a leader it's important to have um you know good accuracy it's important to even be a little mobile and it's important you know to have the full range of things it's not just one specific thing that makes you successful as a quarterback in the nfl
1: yeah yeah and you know he was a little a bit ahead of his time when it comes to the mobility thing like he he really prioritized that in the in this in this statement or whatever you want to call this, uh, he prioritized mobility. And that wasn't always a, a big thing for quarterbacks back then when he wrote this. So Bill Walsh was a little bit ahead in the mobility, but I don't know if he saw all this these changes to the passing game. I don't know if he knew that the, the NFL was going to turn into the passing game and it's become. Um, but, yeah, thanks for the question, man. I appreciate it. Uh, if you guys haven't watched Grant's video, Grant did a whole video on that Bill Walsh thing. Go check it out when we're done here uh 49ers crush says what player uh, and rohan i want to respect your time you got to get out of here i got two more questions
2: we'll go through them and then we're good cool man
1: so uh 49ers crush says what player recent physical transformation will translate more on the field javon Kinlaw's or drake jackson and who will be used more by the end of the year what's your take on that rohan
2: this is a good one i know a lot of people are initially going to point to drake jackson I want to give Javon Kinlaw some love here because I was talking with Marco, and we said it on stream maybe a little over a week ago. Javon Kinlaw's transformation right now is looking good, and for the first time in his NFL career, he's healthy in the offseason, and that health is truly him being healthy right now. That's a difference. Every other offseason before this, Javon Kinlaw has not been healthy at this early stage in the offseason, and so we all talk about Javon Kinlaw huge injury issues obviously the potential has always been there it's just the injury issues were a red flag from before he was even drafted so if javon kinlaw is able to you know continue and sustain what he currently is at i think he'll make an impact on this 49ers team whereas before i didn't necessarily think he'll make an impact however Which one will translate more to the field? I have to go with Drake Jackson's. For the sole reason that right now, the 49ers were hyping him up the entire offseason. John Lynch spoke about how he's been in the lab since January when the 49ers were eliminated. Steve Wilkes spoke about it. You saw the transformation too. He looks bigger from 252 to 265 on the field. And that transformation right now is keeping the 49ers confident to where they didn't draft an edge rusher in the third round. They didn't sign an edge rusher so far they're looking for him to be, uh, you know, they're, they're looking for him to be playing a bigger role and they're more confident in him. And I think that that's because the transformation itself, he said it last year, uh, you know, his size wore him down a little bit towards the end of the year, led to him being an inactive. And that was a big thing. And he's looking to still get bigger. So because of the opportunity present, I think I still go with Drake Jackson, but I don't want to down, uh, Obviously, because Kinlaw is a defensive tackle in a room where there's six people that can make the 53-man roster. T.Y. McGill's there. Kevin Givens is there. Um, you know, the two starters are there. You still, and Kalia Davis, of course, a guy who I'm very high on this year. He still got a lot of competition. Don't want yeah. to discount him, but it's Drake Jackson to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I hope the best for Ken Law. It's just based on history. I mean, until, you know, you got to kind of, you kind of, you got to show me before I believe that something else is going to happen that's happened in the last four years. So, uh, it, it, Ken Law looks great. I'm pulling for him. I hope his health works out, pans out for him this year, and that he's able to be the player that he was drafted to be. But based on history, I, I, I'm doubtful that it's going to happen. I'm hopeful it happens, but I'm very doubtful. Uh, whereas Drake Jackson has, He's always he's always been transitioning. Wade's trying to figure out what his playing form is throughout college and now into the NFL, and I think he's finally figured it out. It's his sophomore season. He's on the 49ers, which is a great place to play defensive line. I fully expect Drake Jackson to have a really good year. That's my, my hope, at least. He flashed. So when Hufanga's rookie season, he didn't play a ton, but when he was on the field, he was always around the ball, and I saw it. There's flashes of it. And I was telling everyone, these guys going to be really good. I could just see it. Just because he flashed off the screen, he was always around the ball. I see the same thing with Drake Jackson. When he played, it wasn't much, right? And he wasn't great in a run game. But he was always around the ball. He tipped a lot of passes. Um, So I I really expect a Drake Jackson, who's been in the weight room uh, all offseason, to come in and make an impact this year. I think we're going to see a big jump from Jake Jackson. So my, my answer to this question, 49ers crush, is Drake Jackson. All right, sir. Last question for you, and then I'm going to let you get out of here. What are the chances McKibbitz ends the season as the starting right tackle? This came from at Lance Lobbyist.
2: Interesting question. Right now, I think I'm going to go at probably 70%. And I don't know if that seems high or low to y'all. I think there's a very good chance McKevitt ends the season as the right tackle. Um with the offensive line specifically, the 49ers have been fairly reluctant to let first-year starters without any um you know any prior experience in the system come in and play uh, for the 49ers. The one one exception in recent memory, apart from obviously being a first-round pick like Mike McGlinchey a couple of years ago, is uh, Spencer Burford, who wowed the team enough to where he uh, he was seen as a starter in year one. And even then, he was in a timeshare with Daniel Brunskill. Every other player, Trent Williams, obviously he was a stud. Aaron Banks didn't play year one, obviously went through weight transformation to get back to where the 49ers wanted him he ends up playing in year two behind lake and tomlinson jake grendel sat two years i believe um before coming in and playing uh after alex mack retired Bur- burford's there but mckivitz he's the guy who while he might not be the most talented player he's a guy who's now spent two years in the system or might be three or yeah three because he was drafted in 2020 uh with the fifth round pick you know three years in the system he He's been cut. He's been through it all. He's also started in spot games, uh, in spot, spot up duty, and he's been in the system. And I think the 49ers value that. With Kyle, I think he trusts the system that much to where he understands that if a guy understands it like him, they can plug and play, even though the talent might not necessarily be there. And so I think that there's a good chance. The reason I say 70% is injury. And if they're injured, I think that's where I'm, I'm really scared. I don't trust a single tackle on this team behind the starters. I I don't. I, I, tr- I can trust some of the guards, right? I think there's promising players that could come out of that backup guard and center bunch. Don't even, don't want to even look at if Matt Pryor's on the field at during the season, if Jalen Moore's on the field during the season at tackle, if it's Leroy Watson, I'm not going to be confident in the 49ers at right tackle, so I'd assume they go out and trade or sign for somebody. But I'm assuming this question is based more so on will they go out and get somebody before the season or maybe even midseason. Midseason trades for offensive line rarely ever happen that that won't happen teams even even if they're losing they won't want to give up offensive linemen and I don't think that they're going to sign somebody to start prior to the season they could as a backup but not to start.
1: Yeah I mean the tackle position continues to curve me man like I don't I don't understand what the 49ers are doing at the tackle position. Should have drafted somebody you should have that was my that that's what I told them they didn't listen to So if something happens I can tell them I told you guys like they should have moved up and and got a tackle in my opinion I still believe that because what what happened like like for one is McKivitz this guy they think he is maybe he is I don't know maybe he's great but if he goes down we're in trouble Trent Williams is getting older and older if he goes down we're in trouble at some point he's going to retire he was talking about possibly retiring last year so at some point they're going to need to find a real right tackle no no disrespect to McKibbitts I just don't see him as a long-term answer so at some point they're going to need to find a real right tackle and Trent Williams replacement at left tackle and to me they should have done that right tackle spot this year and, and then they have a first rounder next year they could have approached Trent Williams. extra tackle class
2: is good too so you're going to get one in the 20s
1: yeah I mean so I, I don't know man I it, it's definitely interesting so like you said I I think McKibbitts is the plan At right tackle, and as long as he's not injured, he's going to be there all year. I don't know if that's going to be good enough, and it does scare me if something happens to him from an injury standpoint. So, I'm a little concerned myself. Uh, Rohan, Ryan, are you a police officer? No, I'm not a.
2: What? (laughs) This is a mortgage lender in the back. That's kind of funny.
1: Mortgage lender. I'm a mortgage lender, real estate broker. I sell solar. I'm an entrepreneur. I talk 49ers on YouTube. Tommy i'm not a police officer but thank you for the question (laughs) uh ro what you got going on your channel man
2: got one likely today with uh my boy marco um tomorrow we'll be live with sunil see if i get something for thursday trying to free up the schedule but uh yeah uh trying to just you know keep the channel doing their doing our thing before the real real action starts in about 40 days
1: yeah man well hey i want to uh I'm gonna get you out of here i'm gonna wrap up the show in a minute here but uh thank you for being here man it's always good to see you dude
2: hey great show appreciate your time man thank you buddy